When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome everybody to season three, episode 15. I can't believe we're already here. Of the Psychologists Are In. I'm Maggie Lawson. And I'm her podcast partner in crime, Timothy Elmitson. And we are so lucky today to have the writer, director, and of course, lead actor of this episode, Mr. James Roday Rodriguez. Together, we talk about the silliest Friday the 13th spoof, Tuesday the 17th. Enjoy, you guys. What's up, team? I love this hat. Yeah, let me tell you something. Uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a straight build hat guy, per se. I feel like it's probably a little <laughs> bit beyond my fashion reach. But what happens mm. is I get these boxes of swag from the Spurs and the Titans every year. And for whatever reason, both of these franchises have decided to go straight brim. Interesting. I'd be interested to see the results of a straw poll where we let like 30 people weigh in. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if it goes my way. Jobs, hi. What's happening, you two? Doms is here. Uh, hi, Tim. Hey, Boggy. <laughs> uh, for those of you listening who have not signed up for the Patreon, yeah. if you sign up for the Patreon, you get to s- visually see how amazing Maggie looks and how fiercely <laughs> handsome James is with his awesome beard and corduroy, <laughs> water old corduroy Tennessee hat. Titans hat. That's yeah. right. That's looks right. great. Tim, you look great today, too. You, look very, you look very, very handsome. Like I, had, I, I yeah. did show up a little early and realized I might get the time wrong, so I had, I had an extra half an hour to put more mustache wax in. Thank you for joining us for this very, very special. Um, this is like all you. This episode is so purely uh, James Rodriguez on every uh, from all of it, and I was remembering. I was just going back and thinking, like, gosh, how how it must have felt to you. Because you have, I mean, now you've gone on to direct so many things. And you're, you know, you're, you're, this was like, this was a big deal. This was like a big, big first time, kind it of. Was, right? Yeah, it was enormous. Yeah. It, was, yeah. it was huge. I can't believe we're up to this episode already. What does that mean that you've done? How many have you done now then? Four, so you've done like over 40 of these. Yeah. So you're pros now. Oh, we, we have our things. We have our things. We have our, it was funny. Steve was so, um, nervous. It was very cute. Not nervous, but he just was like, he, you know, Tim, Tim was away. And so we, I asked Steve if he'd want to come on and like co-host. He was so excited and he was so funny and so good. So Tim does this thing where 
uh, he can label a color. Like he's oh, our his, wardrobe specialist. His crayon, so we always his crayola color was freaking spot on. It was Halloween three season of the witch silver shamrock pumpkin mask orange. Was <laughs> so the good. name that someone was wearing. It was so good. Um, but anyway, Tuesday the seventeenth. And it was Tuesday. full of um, that episode was chock full of insider insights from the man himself. Yeah, yes. it was. So, James, before we dig in and just podcast the shit out of this with your assist, just want to say that this is the episode uh, so special to me on so many reasons. One, not the least, which is, I mean, you obviously became one of my Claudia or Steve favorite directors very quickly. <laughs> but this, this is the one where I fell in love with you as a director. I was already in love with you as an actor and a friend. But then as a director with your directorial debut, holy shit, man, did you pull out all the stops? It's nuts he directed you directed the shit out of it <laughs> yeah well it was it, there was a lot of buildup. you know uh I, I felt like i was chomping at the bit uh I, I i knew it was coming for like a solid year uh so i had plenty of time to uh to stack the deck in my favor i also of course had the full uh support of our crew you all were wonderful uh i i can't imagine how badly i would have needed to sh shit the bed in order for that episode to not be a success because nobody was going to let me fall uh and i felt that from the moment i started prepping all the way till till we wrapped so did you, you steve co-wrote this didn't or did he i know he wrote parts of it right yeah we co-wrote this one uh yeah the the rule there's so few rules on our show with regards to anything but as far as me directing the only rule was that Steve got to go first. So when Steve directed at the end of season two, like the the door was open and I knew it would be season three. And initially we had talked about uh, writing a Hitchcock episode for me to direct, mm. uh, which I was super stoked about, obviously. As we got into season three and... You know, and we're on set and and I, you know, I, I have no days off. It started to feel like maybe we were being too ambitious and that we would push off the, 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 the Hitchcock idea maybe to a future season. I'm so glad we did, because not only not only uh, were we able to do Hitchcock, we were able to tie it into the, the Yang trilogy, which was sort of perfect. Um, so once we decided it wasn't going to be Hitchcock, uh, and a big part of that was that both of us just, we really wanted to set me up uh, to succeed. Uh, you know, Steve was like, what do you want to do? Like, what do you think, what do you think you could honestly sort of like direct in your sleep? And I, you know, I said, a slasher movie. Like it's, there is, there is, I've, I've seen more slasher movies than any other uh, thing uh that someone could see in any medium and uh he said great do it let's do it so once once i got the green light on that uh i knew i was i knew i was probably going to be in in pretty good shape uh because i was i mean i was just i was stealing from films that i i knew most people had never seen or even heard of and uh and even when it came like to shot listing like so many shots in that episode are winking at you know 
moments from other movies. <laughs> it's, but was uh, there anything from Chopping Mall? It was Mall? almost, it was Those sort of, of a love, a last love week, letter. Remember Steve's reference to <laughs> Chopping Mall? <laughs> I mean, yes, of course. And the, I, I know, and you're always so generous around, you know, the, thanking the crew and everything else. But this was so purely you. Like, n- nobody had the, the whole opening, like, rewatching it. Like, I remember, it's just been a long time since I've seen it, but just rewatching, yeah, like, so many of these kind of classic horror. But, like, they're not just, it's not like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is kind of horror It's, like, spot on, really, the the whole darkness, the the whole opening with Annie and the, and the, I mean, all the frights and the tea kettle and the, and the phone and how all, it's just, it's so good. I, I. Not that I forgot. It has just been a long time since I've seen it. And I was like, this is so nobody else. I, at least I don't I don't think being this being a comedy and everything. This is so purely your world. So you actually you, Nora you, wanted to watch Miss sort of Halloweeny last night and we couldn't really pick on some land on something. So I almost suggested let's watch Tuesday the 17th. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's that's I remember that teaser uh was a the first cut of it was a little too intense for everybody. Uh mm. which actually I was pretty pleased about. Uh <laughs> of course do you, you remember? Would you remember anything that was uh like, yeah, you you gotta cut that? <laughs> I think it was just sort of like like dynamically it was almost completely devoid of levity so it really like oh. the endeavor was to make it play like a real slasher movie like cold open um and it was and for our show especially up to that point uh we were only in season three like we hadn't we hadn't really done that uh where we didn't sort of like even if we did something spooky we would immediately tell you that it was okay by making a ridiculous joke or having Sean and Gus run away screaming or whatever. It was always like, don't worry, don't worry. It's not too scary. And I was like, I let's not do that. Let's just go for it and, uh, and treat it like a real, a real horror movie uh, teaser. And everybody like, everybody was into it. I just remember like studio network, everybody was like, maybe we just pull it back a little bit. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, that though. I, I'm with you. That's such a good place to, it's not like scary Sherry where there's a head rolling down the to the yeah. foot of the stairs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had learned a I had learned a lesson or two uh uh in the interim. Uh but I still felt like, you know, I wanted from the from the moment that teaser ended, I wanted everybody to have an idea of what they were in store for. Mm-hmm. Um which it is does, why it sets the tone. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to pull I didn't want to pull punches. That was our old pal uh Sonia Bennett. In love that, in that teaser she was so good yeah everybody is so good in the episode that was the other thing i'm like oh and louisa and uh eldon and scott everybody's fantastic you know you i feel like you know wasn't your first day tim yeah well, okay we did. oh i was gonna talk about that was your first day shooting right first day shooting first day directing first day and you set up one of the most complicated shots possible which <laughs> i'll get into when we get to that scene okay that... I got to warn you, everybody. I'm coming in hot with this episode. Are you? <laughs> I'm chomping at the bit too. Um, <laughs> you got like... No, I am. I've already in the teaser. I've already got a um, set degree of separation. Oh, should we go? Let's go. Let's jump in. But I was, I as I was thinking about it today, like I feel like this. I mean, it was. Um, this was 2009? Is that yeah, when this was? was? I season I think three. It was. 
It was like, the aughts. This is crazy. And it's 2022. And this was your first time directing. Yeah, this was the this like was this. the one that kicked it all off. Yeah. Um, in the in the in the most perfect way. Uh, I, I mean, I got to make a little mini slasher movie with all my friends and uh, didn't have to raise the money for it. It was pretty fantastic. Uh, and and I guess also, again, I, I always go back to Steve and just how how generous he was in in terms of letting me do things to this show. Yeah. Uh, and this is yet another example of him gifting me the opportunity to go make a thing that he knew i was excited about and that uh and he knew you would kick the shit out of yeah and i think it gave him confidence as well that you know this i would be able to land it but but still i mean we weren't that far removed from you know uh the the tennis episode or whatever the kind of stuff we were doing in season right. one like it it, it's still quite a quite a departure and uh he was always he was always willing to go there unreal Un- this is not a super episode it's unreal it's it's not an unambitious episode of television to shoot i mean you were you were making a slasher film in yeah. 58 minutes <laughs> yeah it's legit what was and, do you have any oh, yeah go on and you know part of a I mean, there are there aren't that many elements that you need to nail to make an effective slasher. Uh, but one of one of them is sort of the anatomy of a kill scene. It's and you can't rush it. You got to set up the sense of dread. You have to have some sort of false scare that lets you take your guard down for a second, and then you got to come in uh, with the kill. Was there like one thing where you were like, man, I hope I can pull this off? Like because I think you, I feel like you were. You, I if I remember. Like, I feel like you were, you were, you were excited, but also pretty confident. Like you, this is your world. You kind of like, you knew what you wanted to do. I wasn't really worried about any of the, of the slasher stuff. I think if anything, if I had any anxiety at all, it was about the B story. It was about, uh, Lasser and his ex-wife, just because we had set, we had set that up for, two and a half seasons, you know, and I felt yeah. like, you know, la- landing that was really important to Lasseter's character. But the idea was always to have Lasseter turn a baby corner, like a first real legit, like if you look back and map out the course of Lasseter, like you, you got to go to this episode to see like, oh, we saw a different, a different piece of him yeah. in that episode. So that's in my first from, for the, from my professional notes. Oh, really? It is. Um, so before we get into the nitty gritty, opening shot is a psych degree of separation for Margaret Cassidy Lawson. Opening shot is of a, it's the wrong color, but it's, it's a Woody station wagon. Oh, Not God. unlike the Woody <laughs> that so your family drove you from Kentucky to LA. Kentucky, yeah. What year did you come out? 97. Okay, 97. so this was, this, was, this was in 88. This was uh this was in 1988. That's what we had. So my grandfather had a 1988 Woody station wagon. We didn't own a car. So my grandparents gave us this car, their car, basically, to drive to Los Angeles in 1997 in a 1988 Woody station wagon. It was just perfect. And in fact, that was my first car. I was like driving to auditions, like my little self, just like driving to my auditions at like 17, 18, 19 years old in so a Woody station wagon. Instagram, that one was white. The one in, in Psych is green. Yes. 
Yes. But still, yeah, the one I thought it was a pretty solid psych degree of separation. No, I like that one a lot, Tim. That was a that's a very, very sweet one. That's a very full circle-y thing. I all right. Oh God, I love this location so much. Yeah, and we Where that was, was a, it was a Libertine up north. Right? It was an actual camp that was about to be torn down. And I remember we we paid a little extra for them to push the the you know the demolition we were like please please let us let us shoot here before you rip everything down mm-hmm. i have a double pineapple setting within seconds of each other oh uh-huh <laughs> well yeah because isn't it in the beginning yeah it's uh the pinata the pinata pineapple pinata fade to once henry's truck pulls away with the boys we see a tp and a native american holding a um holding a pineapple in, in their hands I missed on that one. I totally <laughs> missed that one. Wait. Oh, my God. Really? I had a week off, Maggie. I had time to, to yeah. <laughs> really hone my, my co-hosting skills. And then I feel like we threw another one in like there the, is. Refri- in the refrigerator, too. There's one in the fridge. Yeah. In we, fact, we that's really like- loaded it up on that one. Um, so on the synopsis, it's very cute. So Devin put episode 15, Tuesday the 17th, written by Joms and Steve, <laughs> directed by Joms, who is James Rene Rodriguez, uh, nicknamed Joms. Uh, that is very cute, Devin. So, okay, we got the pineapple sightings out of the way. Shall we jump in and throw in all, any all gooey goodness, um, pineapple goodness uh, you remember from the episode or anything that you remember memory-wise. Oh, wait, Tim, are you ready to uh, are you ready to podcast the shit out of it? Maggie, I am so ready to podcast the shit out of this. I had a week off, listened to last week's episode, so brilliantly co-hosted by Steve. Got really sad that I couldn't be part of it, but was so grateful that he stepped into my shoes while I was gallivanting across England. Gallivanting! Possibly, possibly drinking. Mm-hmm. Most likely I see, drinking. You, I see what you did there. Everybody does. Gallivanting. Mm-hmm. Tom also, Hoover, by the way. I got to tell you, <laughs> uh, Jobs, he had, uh, he had the trip. If you can imagine, you'll, you'll get this. Like he went to London. He hasn't been since before that thing that happened that was in all the papers that apparently I need to be reminded of all the time. Um, do you want to let oh, yeah. James know what that is? <laughs> oh, he had a stroke. Correct. So before then, uh, I'm okay. So, huh? Am I okay? You're more than okay. I, I forget. You have to remind Thanks. me. You got handsomer somehow. I know. Almost doesn't seem fair to the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's his favorite place in the world, his favorite bars in the world. His like, and he got to go back for the first time and have the entire. I think you kind of did everything you wanted to do while you were there. I mean, I started Just getting about. photos from Dukes and your favorite pub and your favorite restaurant. Yeah. And discovered and went with my best friend Nick, Nick Schwartz, from the random last yelling out of Schwartz. Discovered that here's something that's amazing about London. Uh, one of the many things London black cabs all have wheelchair ramps that they oh. can either pull out or so Nick would, and they're also, they're kind of like minivans, they're already huge vehicles. So Nick would just wheel many of these things. We bop around town. And double decker buses also have ramps that they pull out. I'm so I could wheel into those. And then, um, they're so good about disability over there. To get up to the top of double decker bu- double decker bus, handrails everywhere. So Nick and I went on a sightseeing tour, railed up, was able to walk up the stairs to the upper upper deck, taking the sights. It was uh, pretty amazing. Well, rock on, London. Yeah, 
as your friend, I was every single photo you sent me. I was just like, yes, Tim's he's <laughs> he's doing it. He was doing it anyway. Um, it was very very heartwarming. And uh, Tim, you should post some of those pictures. They were so good. You look so happy. All right, I pineapple sighting. We did. Let's go, guys. Ready? Cold open. Nineteen eighty eight. Young Sean and Gus are being picked up from summer camp at Camp T- Tikihama. Uh, young Sean is furious with Gus because he ditched him for a golden boy, Jason Cunningham, in the Kenyatta competition, <laughs> leaving Sean to team up with the kid who wore the jacket the entire time. One of my favorite jokes of the whole script. <laughs> the kid who it's wore... It's a million degrees. The, the, the puppy Hoff. jacket the whole time. <laughs> okay. Cut to a very creepy zoom in on a canoe and Sean's sunken pinata chained to a rock. Ooh, it was very creepy. Very creepy. Yeah, How'd you we did, shoot that? And we did some underwater photography. Who went underwater? Uh, we brought in uh, an operator who sort of specialized and had his own equipment, I remember. And we did that. Uh, we shot that in a little uh, in a pool, like a uh, like an above ground. Yeah, I guess you could call it a tank, but it was really small. And we did it right there on uh, on our lot. We just they come and they fill it with water and and uh, who knew? Who knew that we could make the bottom of a lake look so real? <laughs> it was uh, it was very real and very creepy. And there is a psych out from this that is not on Peacock uh, that I know the psychos will, I'm sure, post. that uh, all, When the uh, pinata yeah. comes out and gets... Who does it get? <laughs> is it you? Uh, no, it's Gus. It's Dulet. Oh, it's Gus, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like in the lake. Remember, it's like right. super serene. Yeah, it's That's very right. good. Um, all right. 20 years later, Annie, a camp counselor, sits in her cabin on a stormy night watching a horror movie alone. She hears a noise and investigates, but discovers it was just an open window. Hang on. Creepy. She then looks at... I know. It's good. This is so. This was so good. She then looks out the window and sees a mysterious figure with a sack over his head standing across the lake. But she just thinks her eyes are playing tricks on her. She picks up a phone call, only to have the mysterious figure peering in from the window. Annie pours herself some tea, opens the refrigerator, and sees a note written in blood which reads, I see you. As Annie frighteningly backs up. What's what's the tea kettle shot from? Yeah. Uh, He knows you're alone. Um, and then it's been redone a bunch of times, but it's it's in a lot of uh, babysitter and peril ripoffs. Ah, uh, good. <laughs> I love that song. That's the cure, right? Yeah. <laughs> so good. As Annie frightenedly backs up, the man from earlier bursts through the window and attacks her just moments before the opening credits. This was also perfect because you had this super opening, super scary opener, and then Tuesday, there he is. There he is. Hi, Claude. Claude. We love you. Mm. Oh, gosh, what a good boy. Um, these, uh... The the Tuesday the seventeenth, just like Friday the thirteenth, comes up, and it's already you've already set the perfect tone of like this was really scary, and like oh, but it's still psych, it's right. still psych. Uh, Tuesday the seventeenth still cracks me up. It always it's it's always right after th- Friday the thirteenth. <laughs> it always is, and there always. was uh, Richard Benjamin made a movie called uh, Saturday the fourteenth in the eighties. Oh. That was not just a spoof of slasher; it was just sort of a spoof of, of horror. Okay. Um, very, very silly movie. So Saturday the 14th was not on the table. No. Um, and then it just came down to what sounds the funniest. Sunday the 15th, Monday the 16th, Tuesday the, Tuesday the 17th is ridiculous. So <laughs> It's completely ridiculous. 
Um, it's it's, so it's four full days too. It's like you know, yeah. it's not that close to Friday anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no. well, as a little uh, personal insight, next Tuesday the eighteenth, I was on my twenty fifth wedding anniversary. So I was Aww. watching Tuesday the seventeenth and went, "Oh, that's really close." Oh, that's really sweet. You all had much better luck than you and Victoria. Yes, yes. that's true. Yes. yes. Okay, back at the psych office, Sean and Gus argue about lettuce. Very funny, by the way. This was just a great, like, it, 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 if you catch it, it's so good. And you're like, no, it just over, it takes over. Anyway. And, you know uh, that was Steve Franks. Anything, any kind of food humor or any jokes involving a burrito is uh, vintage. Is Steve? Vintage Steve. Vintage <laughs> oh, Steve Franks. So good. <laughs> All right. Sean and Gus argue about lettuce. They happen to find Sean's old Rick Astley pinata hanging outside and his mortal enemy, Jason Cunningham. <laughs> yes, Devin. Uh, Jason reveals he bought Camp Tikihama and that he needs their help finding a missing counselor. Hold on. I just got to say, um, by the way, we've got to shout out Mac. Yeah, the oh. casting of, of Jason. Oh. Um, by the way, Jason is, uh, of course, a, a nod to Jason Voorhees, and Cunningham is a nod to Sean S. Cunningham, who directed the first Friday the 13th. Uh, so those are pretty obvious. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I um, totally missed the Jason. Not, it wasn't so obvious to me, but okay, got it. <laughs> uh, but the, there was a big question of, like, who's, who's going to play Jason? Because, you know, he got to have a lot of fun. He sort of got to play two characters for the, you know, for the price of one. Yeah. Um, and it was going to be a good time, but we also, you know, again, Steve was like, I want you, I want you to be surrounded by people that you trust and that you have a shorthand with. So basically whoever you, whoever you want. Uh, Amazing. and I had known, I had known sweet, sweet Mac for years. Uh, just one Let's of give the, the full name Mackenzie Aston, one of McKenzie. the sweetest yeah uh fellas with the biggest hearts uh that you'll ever come across in our business or any other business and uh we had worked together very briefly uh on a on a short-lived series some years before but then stayed pals and played uh softball together every thursday and sunday for years and so uh i knew he would come in i i knew he would crush it uh, I knew he would be warm and wonderful to everybody, and uh, and I knew he would be happy to get on a plane and come to Vancouver. So uh, that was that one did not take long uh, to come up with. He's so kind. He is yeah. just such a kind person. Now, did um, uh, Eldon? Re did you know Eldon? I had known Eldon from years before, but I didn't know if you did. Eldon was another important piece of casting because. Uh, you know, he, he, spoiler alert, he turns out to be the killer and we did not want anyone to see that coming. Right. Um, we specifically sort of framed that character within the arc, the slasher archetype of, you know, the comic relief guy or yeah. the, the stoner uh, yeah. and the person that usually dies pretty quick. Yeah. Um, so that, again, to sort of throw off the scent as much as we could. And uh, a lot of people read for that role. And I wasn't quite sold. And it was a Maggie Lawson pitch uh, oh. that we go after Eldon. And I, I said, thought I, rem I feel like I couldn't remember if I mentioned him or if that was like, Eldon. Yeah. I yeah, said, yeah. I love Eldon. I love that idea. Yeah. And so I, I want to say we, we plucked him off a mountain or. Oh, or that's a, right. He was, he was on vacation somewhere. And I remember the agent was like, I don't even know if I'll be able to get a hold of, of Eldon. <laughs> 
<laughs> and not only did we get a hold of him, he I think he he cut his trip short to come up and play with us, ah. which is so very cool uh, of him. And he's fantastic in it as well. So, so a little good. tip for young actors regarding this casting with Mackenzie. It pays to don't be an a-hole. So you make friends with people <laughs> who then hire you later. And um, yeah, always, if you're on vacation, check your messages from your agent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Have a way that they can still reach you because you never know. By the way, it is kind of this... Uh, it's almost like a rule, I think, that we all know. It's like the second you're like on a trip somewhere, that's when you oh, get yeah. a job. Always. Like people know this. Yeah. When a job uh, book book a non-refundable airline ticket. Yes. Yes. Always. <laughs> Always. Sometimes I'll be like, you know, it's been a while. Maybe I should just take a trip. Maybe that'll yeah. make <laughs> Yeah. All right. So Jason reveals about the camp. Da, da, da. Oh, right. But do not get the ca- cops involved. Big, very important thing, he says. Um, back at the station, Lassiter generously gives Chief Fix some flowers along with boxes of chocolates because he's having a special date later that that night with his ex-wife. He went overboard trying to find the perfect gift and gave Chief Fix all the no-goes. So can we just, you're so sweet and vulnerable. It's from the very beginning in this, Tim, like I I was like already tearing up watching <laughs> you. I mean, I know how it ends, but I was like, yeah, also you look fantastic. Oh yeah, like he well, just that's looks... by far the most important thing. So I know, thank I know, you for that. I know, I know. Matinee Idol, a hundred percent, very, um, very much. I had never gotten to play anything like this before, so it was an incredible gift you and Steve gave me, Jamas. The yeah, the the impetus was to watch Lassiter uh, open himself up in a way that we hadn't seen before, and obviously. You know, what's so heartbreaking about it is that he 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 goes there and it's not uh, requited. But just just for him to get to a place where he sort of like, you know, said, I'm I'm going for this was brand new ground. Uh, and it was very, very exciting uh, to get to watch you play that. We knew that you would absolutely destroy it uh, and that you had more than earned uh, this type of material mm-hmm. after, you know, three seasons of uh of wily coyoteing it um <laughs> and uh we were both so excited about this about this b story um because you were so like you're obviously such a wonderful actor you have so many layers to you and uh this was our this was our chance to sort of let you shine as we knew that you you could you know, and is, also, like I said, this is some of the greatest stuff, not prior to, but since I don't think I've had hardly anything as juicy and good as this and emotional as this romantically mm-hmm. to play. Mm-hmm. Maybe just, a little bit in that other show I did after this one. Yes. Yes. G, but, and but, you know, this was, this was setting feel, me up. We just wanted yeah. it to feel real, you know, yeah. like Psych is such a silly show and, and the balance was generally, you know, 90% silly and 10% grounded. So in a way, this was a big swing for us, yeah. like dedicating an entire B story to, to just two people talking uh, yeah. about real stuff and, and being honest and being vulnerable and ultimately getting crushed. You know, I love my matcha lattes. 
It's just kind of my thing. I drink them on my walks. I drink them on set, offset, even during the podcast. Literally, I am drinking one as we speak. I love them so much. So you can imagine the excitement I had when I found a healthy alternative to those sugar-laden creamers. Thankfully, I discovered Lechia's organic macadamia and chia and flax milk. Now, I know what you're thinking. Macadamia nut milk? I mean, didn't we just become obsessed with oat milk? I did. I became obsessed with oat milk. But I am stopping you there because macadamia nut milk is the new trend of 2022. I am calling it. Most plant-based milk is full of sugar. It provides no nutritional benefit. But I love Lechia's milk because it has zero grams of sugar. And it is rich in those brain and heart-healthy omega-3s. And it is so yummy. And it also provides prebiotics for healthy digestion. You guys, the best part? Lechia, also gluten-free. Those of you who have celiac, like myself. Lechia is available on Amazon. So nice, so convenient. For you psychos, at a discount. Go to amazon.com and use code 25pineapple for a 25% discount on all Lechia products. That's 25% off, you guys. That's no joke. That's amazon.com and use code 25pineapple at checkout to get a 25% discount. Enjoy those lattes, you guys. I know I am right now. Sean, okay, I'm going to move on. Sean and Gus agree to help Jason return to Camp Tikihama only to be stopped by the creepiest man declaring, you're all doomed. <laughs> Very yes, good. Yes, uh, that is a, again, uh, uh, unapologetic, zero-veiled wink at the character of Ralph from Friday the 13th, part one and two. Yeah. Same exact, he, he serves the same purpose. He almost says the exact <laughs> same same dialogue. <laughs> so good. <laughs> It's so good. Oh, so I love, uh, I love Dulé's, like, um to convince you for the children, the kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. Okay, I can't. They meet Clive. And and by the way, okay, we've got Clive, Billy, and Sissy, as well as Jason in a possessed-like state. Was Clive named after Clive? Clive was uh, a thank you wink to Clive Barker, another uh, another okay. master of horror, writer, director, who gave us the Books of Blood, which is what Hellraiser came from. So it's so funny because I was, didn't we work with a Clive? Um, wasn't there a Clive? Didn't we go, didn't, uh, Tim, wasn't there a, uh, didn't we have a Clive the first or second season of Psych? That's what made me think of it, that didn't we go tra gun training with him? Oh, Clive was Clive was our Clive. season one early oh. prop master. Remember Clive? Yeah. yeah. Yes, you're right. Holy and I, I so I was memory. like, oh yeah. He, <laughs> I mean, was I our, just... he was our prop master who then sort of came our default armorer. Yeah. Before we got the amazing Rob Fournier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you and I that that was the infamous uh, Maggie going way too fast to gun training out. <laughs> that was also the, the we like infamous like there are lots of guns here. Yeah. Uh, at, at this gun training place, there was lots of guns. Uh, but yes, we were, we were, we've told this story on here before my, my speeding ticket <laughs> um, in Chilliwack. All right. Chilliwack, um, that's where it was. So I could, I could tell you, Annie mm -hmm. is the first victim in Friday the 13th. She's the one who hitchhikes and never actually makes it to the camp. So that's why we have an oh. Annie. Sissy uh, is. A character from Friday the 13th Part 6. Um, I just think it's a fun name, but she was also a victim. So uh, funny. I believe she ends up with a noise. Annie gets her throat slit. Sissy takes like a something to her eye. 
Um, and then I think it's thrown through a window just to add insult to injury. Uh, Clive was for Clive Barker, Jason, obviously for Jason. Um, and then what was it? Billy? Billy. Yeah. Billy. Yeah. I think Billy was just like, we wanted the most all American beefcake name we could think of. Yeah. Um, he's so good. Not Tim. All these people. <laughs> Besides Tim. Timmy. Besides Tim. Timmy. Um, Okay, so uh, Sean Gus and Sissy check out Annie's home in the laundry room where they find Annie's blood-soaked PJs in the washing machine. Yes, Tim. If we're in the laundry room, I think we have a show first. What? I think it's the show first. Let's twist this. Yes! I wrote that down in all caps. That's Uh, right. A catchphrase was born. (laughs) A catchphrase psych first. These are our, we have, we've labeled things now. Joms, we have, uh, oh yeah, I have, I have, let's twist this in all caps. Um, Fearless Guster. Oh God, this is so funny. So hold on. (laughs) So uh, uh, we have like psychonic, we say now we have our psych first of things that happen that I like. That's a big psych first actually, because let's twist this became like uh, major. I feel like major major. because it wasn't said by a a regular of our cast. No, that's true. It was a. Uh, a, su- a supporting character who didn't even live through the episode who managed to coin, <laughs> who managed to coin a phrase that really stuck. But he also, he also, we're not to this scene yet, but he also gets naked. This yeah, guy went through a lot for us. He yeah, really did. Anyway, I think it, he was fine with it. But um, okay. <laughs> uh, Sean Gusson says, okay, we did that. After gathering, Clive and Billy, oh, after gathering Clive and Billy, they all go out and search for Annie, except for Sean, who stays behind and calls Juliet to come help them. Gus and Sissy walk around the woods together and Gus tries to show off. I had to pause. I was laughing so hard at Fearless Guster and him throwing <laughs> the shovel willy-nilly. Which I got to say, his his reading of They Call Me, it's, it was almost a dead on. They call me Mr. Tibbs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It oh, was yeah. so, it was such a, it was like right to the edge of, of Portier and then pulls yeah. it back. Oh, so good. Um, okay. Billy falls into a trap. Um uh, in the woods, only to have the potato sack mystery man stand behind him with an axe. Back at Santa Barbara, Lassie arrives hours early before his date begins, only to find his ex-wife there as well. I want to give a shout out to Gerard's. Yes. Um, oh, right. Our, of course. Yes. I missed that. I'm yes. so, uh, so dumb. Gerard's, of course, are the Sun Place bar. Beloved home bar. From, home from home. Yeah. What were you going to say, uh, Tim? When Lassie shows up to that to that date with with Victoria... Yeah, he is wearing his full Sternbush. Yeah, like he's he almost down to like the third um, button is almost open. Oh yeah, so, he was going for it, man. He was he was leaving it all on the table. Now and the- then, James, prior to this scene, you and I, of course, had dinner at um, Joe Forte's with uh, our guest star Justine Bateman. That's right. For a little get to know each other and and to give her a little bit the, of, a, is, yeah. of a background about mm-hmm. about this character that we had heard about but had never seen. Uh, right for all these seasons and so that the two of you could actually meet and talk a little bit before showing up on set because we knew it was going to be a big day we basically shot the entire the entire b story in one day and um, it was your first day and it was my first day so we wanted i wanted to sort of uh again sort of stack the deck as much as possible uh yeah, there's a lot writing emotionally for me and my character on this yeah. on this day we we're about to shoot the next day yeah. There were a few glasses of oaky wine. <laughs> yes, there were. There were. Oh, really? Uh, uh, yeah, I remember. I remember uh, Justine was was not this may having be an off-camera story. 
not having oh. the uh, the wine that was being delivered. And I'm not a wine drinker, so uh, I couldn't tell you if it was good or not. But oh. uh, but that was also a very important piece of casting, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, really, really wanted to 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 get it right. Also, you know, it was a, as we all know, sight sight casting in many ways is was uh, sort of a flashback to uh, to actors and actresses that that populated our our TV screens and our and our dreams of someday doing what we we do when we were younger. And yeah. uh, Justine Bateman absolutely one hundred percent fits that bill and checks. How do we got boxes. Mallory for goodness sakes? We Mallory, got Mallory yeah. Keaton to come up and and play Victoria. So we were all we were all pretty stoked about that as well. Yeah. Um, okay. Once Juliet arrives at the camp, she finds Sean hiding in the closet. This was one of my favorite scenes to shoot. Hang on, you are, in the whole you can't series. just roll past that, Max. Wait, what? You're Why? in burnt pomegranate, oh. <laughs> <laughs> which of course is still in the Pepto drink family. So drink up everybody. And <laughs> did you see that somebody, did you see the thing someone posted where they were like, we were at the doctor's office and they were like, uh, yeah. suggesting a medicine and they were like, oh, this is like Tim and Maggie's. Yeah, it's, it's a childhood antibiotic because um, yes. nobody yes. used to get no, uh, sinus infections all the time. So yeah. there was a lot of that one particular um, antibiotic in our house. So good. There was the Pepto pink that yeah. the kid had to drink. So it's not I'm just assuming they didn't spike it. And also you had um, another six degrees. Early on when you got this job, you commented about how at first playing a detective, you kind of felt like you were a kid wearing your dad's suit. I and did. this suit is like five sizes too big for you, the one you're wearing. So I, it looked, it was full yeah. circle. It looked like you were actually wearing your dad's suit. <laughs> I've, I, I think there were that like the, the suits did get a bit more tailored over the years, but it's funny in this one. I kind of like, I think because I'm playing, I am actually in like tough. Like I'm, a, yeah. I go full cop mode in this. I don't mind it as much. Like I think that would stand out to me probably in like, other scenes where I'm just being, you know, Juliet in the station or something. But there was something about this suit that actually felt a bit more uniformy to me. That it was, was also like, like a light gray linen, which made no sense. Like you're in this, it, you're in the super in the fall woods. colored yeah. blouse, yeah. <laughs> and in and in a suit for the Hamptons. I just was like, there were a couple times where I'm running or whatever, and I'm like, this feels like a cop suit. It felt, yeah. it felt to me, it was not for fashion, but it was definitely like it fit where i i you got i mean i love this so much uh james because you i got to well a i got to come play with the in the camp which i really wanted to do but also you know i'm kind of like lead on this i get stuck there and i i get to kind of have a i get to be in charge a little bit which was um yeah yeah no, you say the day. Uh, there's there's no laster right taking over this is all o'hara yeah, we sort of flipped Lassie and and Juliet uh, in this episode, where you know we, Juliet gets to kind of be tough and and full cop mode, while while Lassiter is soft and sweet. This, is soft and and sticky. Yeah, Vulnerable. it was a fun little reversal of roles. Um, okay. Meanwhile, Lassiter gives his ex wife a necklace, only to discover that the reason she wanted Sorry. they wanted to get together. Hey, me, hey, yes. Me, me. Okay, so the sh- the, sh- the scene with um. Victoria. Uh-huh. First day of James being a director, and he sets up, as I mentioned earlier, one of the most complicated shots possible. I yes. remember showing up to set and you had this you were, they were laying circular track, which is <gasps> right. crazy to try and shoot. So Yeah, we so see the camera sixty around that table. I, I think it's uh 
<laughs> I think it's actually become something of a cliche for first time directors uh, uh, who who think they're doing something, you know, that's never been done before. Um, to the point now that I think it comes out of DP's mouths before the director can even get it out. Hey, I was thinking you want to do a 360, you know, like <laughs> I think, I think uh, but for the purposes of this scene specifically, I, I thought, I thought that the choice actually supported, uh, you know, supported the material. I mean, oh. the idea was that Lassie had put it all on the line, uh, was pretty nervy, and then starts to sort of spin out a little bit as he realizes that the evening is not going to go the way that he thought it was going to go. So it's like a, it's like a literal spin out. Yeah, that's why I figured it was worth it, and that you know we could we could justify doing it. Um, I just remember watching them setting up that track thinking, this dude's out of his freaking mind <laughs> <laughs> to shoot his first day with a circular track. But he knew. That was the thing I remember. Like, you know, f- first-time director, I think you can sometimes feel the uh, the first-timiness of it and you want to kind of almost help. Or, or I didn't, you were, I feel like everyone in your hands felt very like, all right, like he's got this, like he's got us. Like I really, there were some shots. I even, I remember being like, what, what, what how are we going to get that? How is he doing that? Even at the end when the reveal, like of the three of us and the oh, language we're not yeah. to yet, but like some of these shots were insane and you nailed them. Well, like, that's very kind. Um, it, but like emotionally I, that, I, that I wrote down the circle table and my notes, just like, this is so beautiful. I will say uh, I remember this like it was yesterday uh, when I when Sean is in the hiding in the closet like a coward uh, <laughs> in the laundry scene. room uh, and Juliet shows up. I was in there with uh, Marco Ciccone. Shout uh-huh. out. Uh-huh. Um, Marco Ciccone. Not I was there to give you your off camera dialogue from inside the closet, <laughs> but I was watching his through his uh, camera also to see the shot and remember this was before we switched to uh to digital we were still shooting on film and there was this tiny hole that we had not made in the door and juliet walks into the laundry room hits her mark and you can see her face through the thing yeah through the door yeah that we and we didn't plan that and so marco and i both like started getting like jiggly with excitement (laughs) and uh and had to sort of calm ourselves so that it didn't ruin the shot because it was that would be synchronistic it would that 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 hole in the door was there 100 can't take an ounce of credit for that just happened to fall that way what a beautiful shot though Uh, (laughs) it's very cool yeah um all right so let's see sean's hiding in the closet okay lassiter um gives his ex-wife a necklace yes Yes. I gotta give I gotta give a shout out to Mr. Franks. The um that goodbye speech that Lasseter gives, that incredible speech. Oh, yeah. I always thought James wrote it because I just saw James' name on the credit, on the writing credit. Little did I know, after shouting James out about the speech at our first Comic Con, did I find out that Steve actually wrote all that stuff. Am I correct in that? Uh, he certainly, yeah, he's he certainly had his hands way, way, way in that. Uh, wow in that Lasseter speech. It's so, so good. Well, hold on. Cause I, I want to, I want to shout out something else in that scene too. 
in a moment. Um, okay, so so Lassiter uh, gives her a necklace and um, she hits him with divorce papers. While Sean goes to look for Jason, he finds Annie's dead strangled body and the potato sack guy who then chases after Sean. Sean trips and falls, but the sack-faced mystery man doesn't kill him because it's actually Jason. Or wait, are we at Annie? Are you okay? <laughs> Yeah, I think Annie, you're okay. Is what happened right before the chase? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's. I was like, Annie, Annie, are you okay? Are you okay, Annie? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, of course. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was a very good. Also, um, <laughs> what does the parrot from Aladdin have to do with this? Give yeah. me laugh Iago. out loud, Iago. <laughs> oh, so good. So silly. I remember these wind machines. Yeah, like, we it, we couldn't afford rain. Uh, it was right. scripted. It was scripted. It was pouring rain. And so the compromise was, well, what if we just blow the hell out of everybody? And hey, I a question for the director. Side note, yeah. going back to the Victoria scene, her exit. There's a song that plays over her exit. We're getting to I, it. We're not there yet. Okay. Because that's no, who I, I want to shout out to. Because it's like. Proceed. I knew I wanted to use a 90 degree shutter at some point on the a camera. A 90 degree shutter. Okay. Yeah. And it basically, it's just something that picks up light in a in a slightly different way and and gives texture to to a shot um you know without having to do any tricks or special effects and when we and i thought that i was going to do it in this chase scene because there was going to be raindrops and we were going to light through the rain and Mm. the the shutter would pick up the raindrops and that would look really dope and then when it turned into wind i thought oh well that's not going to work anymore um and i remember Mike McMurray is saying, well, let's just throw it on there anyway. It's not going to cost us Mike anything. McMurray. We, we, hey, Mike. Did. Mike McMurray, Mike who, was McMurray. So, who was so awesome uh, during this, by the way. I mean, I remember the first three or four days I made him get up and have breakfast with me just so that we could go over our shot list uh, oh, because I just, I, I was obsessing over, you know, being over prepared. But what ended up happening was these wind machines kicked up all these leaves. So there's actually leaves blowing and and the lights catching the leaves. So the shutter still ended up serving a purpose. And I was still pretty pleased that uh, we got some value out of that. I also and that was thanks to the 90 degree shutter that you stole from Spielberg in that's correct. Yeah. Private Ryan. Yeah. That he that he also stole because he wasn't the first person to do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. I want to also shout out another that uh, circular shot that I know you're talking about is kind of like a default cool thing to do for like a first time director. But I will say the other one that really works is the end of Bueller and Michael directed that. Um, right. It's in the, uh, in the gym. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, yeah. Anyway, that reminded me of that. Sean trips and falls, but the sack face mystery man doesn't kill him because it's actually Jason. It is also revealed that Gus, Annie and Billy were all in on the plan. Jason mentions he wants to open a murder mystery camp. Still a good idea. Just as a storm approaches, the whole gang gathers inside for a party when Sean discovers the body of the camp's janitor floating in the lake. Great song, Paranoia. Par- or whatever that song is called. Paranoia, Paranoia. Anyway, yeah. So have we jumped to, um, there's a line reading you give, James, of the Mr. Com- Bravo, Mr. Cumming- Cunningham. Bravo. I know I've heard that reading somewhere in the 80s. I just don't know who who did it. Um, Most of that entire section is lifted again shamelessly and unapologetically from uh, a movie called april fool's day which was one of my very favorite and and underrated uh slasher offerings 
because it was way before Scream, but it was the first one that I thought effectively combined the elements of slasher and comedy and not bad comedy, but actually relatively effective comedy. It was, it was actually written by the same guy that wrote Beverly Hills Cop. And they got uh, a really good cast uh, of young actors who all kind of went on to do interesting stuff together to make this movie because you find out, spoiler alert, um, it's not actually a slasher film. You think you're watching a slasher film the whole time. And then the big reveal at the end of that movie is that uh, nobody's dead and that Muffy is inherited this this house from her parents who have passed and the only way she thinks she might be able to afford it and keep up the mortgage is by turning it into a weekend murder mystery experience and she needed a rehearsal so she invited a bunch of her friends from college who had no idea what was about to happen to them and that's exactly what jason is going to do with this camp do they exist I feel like these must exist, no? I, or, I know that there are like nights people do like murder mystery parties. Parlor games. Yeah, totally. Right. Where, like everyone has a character that they're supposed to play. But right. But this yeah. this was interesting because nobody knows. Like, I mean, they in, in April Fool's Day, they don't know that they're a part of anything like that. So they're genuinely terrified. Right. Um, and that so was. Sorry, your slow clap when it's revealed that Jason Cunningham is the bad guy. And your bravo, Mr. Cunningham, is not, you don't remember that being an actual lift from another actor saying the word bravo? I think bravo is from April Fool's Day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. You're like so angry, but also kind of impressed. And like, it's it's a very complicated bravo. Yeah. <laughs> You're clapping it felt a little your hands Judd very hard. Me from something. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really good. You guys, I absolutely love butcher box it is so hard i think to find you know the free range without antibiotics hormones humanely raised all of that and i love that they incorporate all of that into their meat and their seafood butcher box takes the guesswork out of finding high quality meat and seafood you can trust you get a hundred percent grass-fed beef free range organic chicken pork raised crate free and wild-caught seafood Humanely raised. You guys know how important that is to me. No antibiotics or added hormones. Plus, it's the ultimate convenience. Get just what you want delivered right to your doorstep. Free shipping for the continental U.S. and no surprise fees. Choose from a variety of box plan options from curated to customized and change your plan whenever you want. Enjoy a range of high-quality cuts that are hard to come by at the grocery store at an amazing value. Exclusive member deals so you can save big on your favorite cuts. Recipe inspiration, guides, tips, and hacks. Some are even personalized so you can cook up those mouth-watering meals. I actually just used uh, some of the uh, meat from my butcher box to make a very fun chili. My family has like several recipes in this recipe book and I want to add my own so I'm doing my own take on it and I was so happy to use this humanely raised grass-fed beef. It was also, it's also so good. The main course for Thanksgiving dinner can sometimes be a main source of stress, but not anymore. ButcherBox is offering our listeners free turkey with their first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash pineapple and use code pineapple to get one 10 to 14 pound turkey free in your first box. That's huge, you guys, huge. That's butcherbox.com slash pineapple and use code pineapple to claim this deal. 
Um, okay. Just as a storm approaches, the whole gang gathers inside. We already did this. Okay. Um, so uh, the song, um, I Am Sulking, which is hilarious. Flagpole Sitta. Parentheses. Parentheses Paranoia. Paranoia. Okay. By got Harvey it. Danger. That song sort of had its moment because it was in a movie called Disturbing Behavior. Oh, right. Uh, Featuring a, a young Katie Holmes, Katie who, Holmes. Was, who was, I think, maybe doing her first or second movie coming out of her Dawson's, Dawson's popularity. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, Juliet tries to phone an ambulance, but soon learns that all phone lines have been knocked out, preventing her from getting a signal. Uh, and all the roads have been completely blocked by fallen trees from the oncoming lightning storm. A while later, Annie decides to go back to her cabin to take a shower, and Clive leaves the group as well. After getting out of the shower, Annie notices a man with a potato sack over his head carrying an axe standing behind her, whom she mistakes for Jason, Jason and is murdered off screen. This I had several times where I went, ooh, ooh. <laughs> I uh, genuinely scary. All right. Yeah, back. and I also yeah. remember the the ambulance piece where the counselors are all standing in front of the cabin. Uh watching i don't know the old dude get loaded up or something it's basically the the poster of friday the 13th like they're all in in ah. the exact positions of of the counselors from the movie insane yeah so <laughs> insane it's so this is cool. a deep dive a deep, yeah. so cool. deep get up in there dive okay now we're here so back at lassie's dinner he decides to sign the papers and end the night with a solemn kiss like actual tears from me rewatching this. Um, Back to show first. Oh, this is really the first time that Lasseter ever got to be this kind of vulnerable. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And you're so Tim. Look, uh, and Justine, obviously great. But like you in these scenes, you this whole story, the whole arc of it from the where you start with the flowers and the excitement to. Uh, uh, the necklace to realizing what's happening to coming around to this like beautiful, mature, like loving take. I, it was just a beautiful goodbye between two people who really loved each other. Like it's a very, I don't know that you see things play out like that all the time. And you're so good in the scene. It's shot so beautifully. And then you can talk about the song if you want, Tim, because like I was going to shout in, in addition to the writing that I, the words I got to say, I had, I knew I had James there to not let me fall and make a fool of myself. So it's truly it was because James was there helping me. I, uh, that I did not have to. I did not have to do much, um, and I knew I wouldn't. I just needed to make sure that the camera had your face on it, which it did. <laughs> I feel like you brought out uh, performances from everybody that were uh, uh, a notch up, a notch up. All of us, I felt like, uh, moved. Uh, our, all of our characters had a bit a move forward in this. Yeah, I think for I think for Lasseter, uh, he had sort of he had sort of arrested his own development because of the fact that he was in this holding pattern with mm -hmm. his with his wife, and I think he'd kind of been stuck for a while. And one way or the other, you know, this was going to get him unstuck. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, and so there was an evolution from like, hey, I'm going to get back with Victoria and that's what's going to drag me out of this hole and allow me to feel like more of a whole person. Yeah. And then and then realizing in the moment that, nope, it's not going to be that, but I, I'm going to let her go. And that's what's going to drag me out of this hole. 
Um, so there's a wow. lot. Go- there's a lot going on there, and and you yeah, played I think specifically every talks about so we can both have tomorrows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And without this scene, we wouldn't we would never have gotten Lazarus to take the the chance of somebody with somebody like Marlo years Absolutely. later. Absolutely. And it was also the it was also the the cumulative effect that that uh, Juliet had had on Lassiter as well that mm-hmm. all sort of led us to to this moment. Yeah, and I and, I and and one would argue the same as I'm taking on this sort of tougher cop role, and I'm in charge, and I'm confident in it. I I, I really believe that uh, that also comes from from Lassiter as well. It's a two. Uh, we've we've had quite an influence on each other, and it's nice to see that played out in scenarios where we're not even in the same scene, and we're not calling it out. It's but we are, you know. You would have been so proud of me that day. <laughs> I would have no, but definitely like the presence in each other's lives and what we've yeah. done to each other's personalities is so evident as James so eloquently stated. And then there's a song that um, uh, by a friend of ours, um, Priscilla on. Oh, that's Priscilla's, of course. The voice of an angel, voice of an angel, and just a, a wonderful uh, human being. And James, yeah. Uh, dear friend of, of the Syke family, uh, wife, to Michael Weston, another dear friend of the Psych family, recording artist, mother, all around, uh, badass. And I knew that I was going to use that song for that moment before we even started writing. That's that was on lock. Uh, oh, nice. It's it's, it's it called. Makes me, it makes me cry right now. It's called a good day. Um, I just I thought see. it was perfect for the for the scene, perfect for the moment. The lyric is just heartbreakingly spot on and aspirational and ultimately even though it's a very sad scene we also wanted to sort of say hey you know last is gonna last is gonna be okay um it's yeah. gonna yeah, be legit just gave me chills day. when you said a good day is the title of <laughs> that name of that song me too yeah yeah it's so special it's just that moment is so special that's one of my favorite things about uh the way you direct to um uh with music like you you often i feel like i remember you saying things i mean you know beforehand i don't i didn't remember this one i knew priscilla was going to be used in the episode but i like i feel like in yang i feel like in or an evening with mr yang i feel like when you directed that we had like you would play the music behind the scene half the time just for us to get into the emotion and the feel and like it's just a really cool uh uh, musical way to get into scenes and characters and like, because music can yeah, do I think that. It, I think it helps. And I, and I think it's okay. I think a lot of times, you know, music is obviously so intrinsic to what makes film work, but it can also be really manipulative. And yeah, you know, a lot of times you can bail yourself out by slapping a really good song over something. And a lot of times you can, you can think that you really liked a movie and then, you know, mm. years later, watch it again and go, ah, ah, no, I just really love this soundtrack. Uh, that's how powerful a, a yeah. medium it can be. So, yeah. so for me, it's, I, I always try to approach it in a way that's like, okay, this, this song does elicit emotion all on its own. But if I play it while we're shooting the scene and, and, and you and Tim, for example, Yang is a perfect example. Oh, which I was going to say, because you're not going to be with us when we're talking about Yang, Clock Tower was, that you playing that song for us was so pivotal. Well, that's end of next season. 
My plan is that Joms will be with us. Oh, <laughs> we yeah, talk well, about we'll that. talk about it I again so. then. But the yeah. marriage of a really good song and, and the actors knowing that that song is going to be there so that they're actually making choices and feeling the song as opposed to just, ah, play this scene. I'm going to slap this great song on there later. Um, I think you can earn... I think you can earn the emotion of a scene by by knowing what music you're going to use ahead of time. You don't always have that luxury, of course, but do you remember? Did you had... play "Good Day" for me prior to the scene? Because when I was watching the scene, the episode back, I was it really struck me as somewhere being in the back of my heart of like I know this song. I did. Uh, you put it. We put it in some headphones for you, and uh, I think you were using it to sort of prepare. Um, and I think it's really useful. Yeah, that one's still that's still in my body somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh magic. Magic. She's so magical too, Priscilla. She's yeah, I've I've used many of her songs mm-hmm. um in many things. So y'all um, go um, check out Priscilla on, yo. Yeah, Priscilla on. That right. song. Okay. Meanwhile, Sean decides to have another look at the dead janitor's body after suspecting suspecting that there might be a little bit more to this case than he'd originally expected. And just like that, the power is cut throughout the camp and Billy leaves to try to fix it. But he ends up being electrocuted by the killer, causing the power to come back on. Sean finally figures out that Clive is the killer and he and Juliet go to investigate, go out to investigate, later finding the bodies of Annie and Billy. I loved, oh, I, I loved all the running. Um, wait, there was one thing I wanted to say. I have running in the, the sound machines. That's one of my favorites. But uh, weird nipples. <laughs> when Clive yeah. says, eh, nah, I got weird nipples. Also, Iron Sheik and uh, Nikolai Volkov. <laughs> there was like the, uh, that. Uh, also, I'm not sure if we're here yet, but um, the Jeff Goldblum and Cindy Lauper vibes line uh, had me <laughs> also in stitches. Um, anyway, I loved the uh, um, this discovery of Annie the discovery of Billy, the putting together of the whole thing. And isn't there like a, you have this crazy Sean vision um, that is shot so cool. And the music is like really uh, that. Oh, during yeah. the champagne scene, right? This was, yeah. uh, well, first, the first thing we did that we had never done before, which was somewhat controversial, I remember, um, was ha- was Sean has a, a Sean vision flashback while he's being chased uh by oh. jason before the jig is up right and we sh- we did it in a way we had never done before um and we also used uh sound effects from the texas chainsaw massacre reboot which is that very unsettling almost like polaroid Scrape, camera scrape yes. camera happening and we <laughs> we, we stylized so we stylized the sean vision flashback in a way that we had never done before um there was some there was some nerves uh, coming from, you know, from again, from network and studio, like, can we do this? Like, it's so different. Mm-hmm. And and we decided that, yes, we could, because it was steeped so specifically in the theme of the episode that, you know, it's not like we're changing Sean visions forever. Uh, we're just doing a slasher-esque one for this. Um, but I remember some very serious discussions had to had to take place. And then there's a shot though where you move with the camera, not running, but you're like the camera. I feel like you were on. Yeah, what I put was myself, that? I put myself on the dolly yet yes. again. Another first, <laughs> another first time director wanting to show off how many movies they've seen. Uh, <laughs> that is the uh, that is the Spike Lee dolly shot um, that uh, he has made famous in all of his movies, where you you basically sit an actor 
on the dolly facing the camera. Um, and then when you start moving around, it creates an effect that you're sort of, you have a float, you're almost like floating in space. Very cool. It was very cool. Steal okay. from the vest. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Back at the main cabin, Gus, Sissy, and Jason are interrupted by a mysterious sound. Just then, Clive appears from around the corner and charges at the trio, but Jason risks his life to protect Gus and Sissy. Sissy runs after Sean and tells him that the killer was in the cabin and points over to Gus, fighting with him in the pool. Sean rushes to save him, thinking Gus has lost, but it turns out he already won. <laughs> Sean, now Sean and Clive fight to the death until Juliet comes to the rescue. Also, I just have to like the noodle, the broom, <laughs> the amount of things that he throws at you. Oh, it's, it's again, it manages to be very scary and yeah. very funny at the same time. I was laughing out loud. We also managed to pay off the creepy Robert, the doll, uh, that Jason, <sighs> that Jason is dragging around with him, right. uh, which is based on a real doll named Robert. <laughs> um uh and then we we throw a wig on him so that you think that clive's been sitting on the couch playing video games the whole night so good so good and yeah. yes a very good payoff to the very very creepy doll um also this pool um that we had seen a few times like we're now in it basically yeah. and you had like it was in the deep end and you we filled it right you filled the pool pool so that we that could have a like, water yeah. fight yeah right yeah, yeah, it was really neat. That was cool. It, I actually feel like it was raining that night. It might have been. Yeah. And then you you showed up and blew a hole through his hand, right? Did, Correct. It, no, we're what, not there yet. Yeah. So right. the yes. most badass O'Hara that we've gotten to see yet. It's okay. This might be the coolest I've ever felt in anything <laughs> in, in in my life. Um, I am the whole episode though. I just like the running sequences, the way that it's shot, it's dark, you know, he's got the wind blowing all the time. And I was watching it and I was like, I look, I look really cool in this. You I do. look very cool. And then, even though you're in your dad's suit, you I, still managed to look badass and cool. Didn't even bother me. In fact, I thought it added to it in this one. I was still like, <laughs> I was like, what is happening right now? I felt some crazy like law and order stuff. I was like action-y. And then I got to blow a hole through his hand. I got to shoot him. So uh, hold on. Uh, Julia comes to the rescue, shoots Clive in the hand, knocking the machete out of his grip. Your line, James, of your, I can't remember exactly what it was. Like you're dead, like you're dead on marksmanship. Oh, yeah. Yeah. out so much spot, right now. Spot on. That's hilarious. <laughs> really, spot, yeah. really spot on, Juliet. I I can't thank you enough. This was, uh, I this whole it felt like camp. This whole episode really felt like it had that, which I think you said like that was your intention even from the beginning yeah. was like having all of us in one place. Um, we were shooting out in it was Squamish, right? Or like yeah, uh, it, was, it was out there. It was. Uh, but there was something about the whole thing. I have like some old photos and stuff from this experience too. That was just like it. it we were away. It was away. a camp. It was. I all... remember you took some great photos uh, of me, sort of in action or thinking about something or looking at my script. I remember those photos. And then, of yeah. course, you had everybody sign a script for me. Oh, and, that's right. And had it bound, and uh, it was such a lovely gift. Uh, oh, that's right. So much so that I have, I have done it for others. Uh, oh my I've, god! I have passed along that that tradition and paid it forward because it's such a wonderful. It way was to... such a a huge uh, dream uh, 
that you made happen that I felt like, you know, I, I mean, I can, uh, I think on this, on this show from the beginning, everyone, you were just saying how everyone really, uh, showed up, but like you showed up for everybody every day. You supported people, you supported crew members, you fought for people, you fought for, uh, you know, the show to, you know, expand and, and in ways that like, you know, you were just there every single day. So we all saw this generosity and, uh, care. And so it was like, I remember even at the time thinking like, how does one, how do we think, how does, how do we thank you? How does this, because you, especially this was like your, um, I don't know. I, I just, I feel like there's a first time director feeling that just wasn't here. It was like, we were in the safest hand. We were with you. Like it was, it was, it was the whole thing was magic start to finish. And, and you were so uh, open and kind and having conversations with everybody about uh, what we wanted and what was happening. Anyway, I thought it was an and opportunity. So for that, that incredibly difficult thing of your first time directing yourself. I don't and know how you did this. Yeah. You didn't I, feel that. Yeah. I, uh, I have, I have learned over the years to truly not care for that. Um, <laughs> the, the having to step in front of the camera and like craft performance of any kind while also wanting to watch every second and make sure that it's all coming together the way that you want it to. So, uh, starting with, starting with the episodes I directed on psych, if you sort of track it you know sean becomes less present with each subsequent episode that's true um towards the end i mean i was the lightest i ever was in, in which selfishly sh- you yeah. always gave me great stuff to do oh, those yeah. episodes you yeah drive. every yeah you you yeah. and you and i mean look we figured out a way to get sean out of like an entire sequence in in uh uh the la- uh shining episode um which was oh my god which was so good <laughs> oh my god that's right it, you know it it should have been that from the beginning um but yeah i i want to i want to say that it was supposed to be Sean that you were chasing and i was just like no way not doing that and of course it needed <laughs> of course it needed to be Gus i can't even imagine that scene any other way yeah yeah now um i remember i was i do remember even body hammer even Bonnie Hammer wanted to sign that for you. I remember uh, I was nervous. I really hadn't had that many conversations. For, sorry for context. She was at the time oh, the right. president of USA. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was like intimidating, but it wasn't because it was asking for you. She was like, oh my God. I, yes, of course. Of course. I'll do anything. Anyway. Um, anyway, everyone loved you. And I wanted, uh, I remember I just wanted you to have a token to like walk away and have everyone get their opportunity to say, well, it was a wonderful token and I'll never forget it. And, uh, thank you so much for being so thoughtful. And, uh, yeah, that was, a that was a real good time. That was a real, that was a really good time. We still have another uh, scene. Hold on. The next yeah. morning, paramedics and ambulances arrive and take Jason and Sissy to the hospital where Gus learns that the two were actually engaged. Womp, womp. <laughs> Poor Gus. <laughs> the, the episode concludes uh, with Sean, Juliet, and Gus standing by the water, staring out onto the lake, uh, relieved that this horrible weekend is over. Gus also apologizes to Sean for ditching him for Jason 20 years ago. Sean accepts. It, this shot is so cool yeah and it sort of leaned into 
slasher movie lore of just you know always presenting this bucolic setting yeah uh you know nature at its best and then you know having a little dash of um lake placid Uh yeah Yeah. and then just having the most awful things you can imagine happen surrounded by beauty and that was sort of the intent of that final scene but also i i i specifically remember us wanting the ending to feel a little more grounded than than usual because of the fact that the deaths in tuesday the 17th are are pretty awful like they're yeah. they're pretty brutal yeah um and that's not usually what we, that's not usually what we did uh on our show so it, it felt like there needed to be some some acknowledgement that we did that <laughs> <laughs> at the end at, at the end of the episode which is why yeah. nobody's making jokes or 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 cracking up and it's just the three of us sort of having been through this this night of peril and acknowledging like that that was rough <laughs> yeah it was intense it was intense i kind of actually love that Lasser wasn't involved with any of the police work in this i love that it was all <laughs> o'hara yeah yeah it's fun yeah lassie was doing a different kind of heavy lifting that night emotional Mm-hmm. The hardest kind. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Oh, here's some fan questions. Joms, was it really storming during the pool fight scene? You have a better memory than I do. So I think we didn't have, a, we couldn't afford rain machines, that's for sure. So so if it was raining, that was good old Vancouver giving us, giving us the good stuff. I think it was because yeah. I remember it became like really important to get the shot there were a couple of shots because of my hair. I think ah. we could get away with you guys a little bit more, but I do remember there being a thing of like matching my hair and the rain on my Raindrops jacket, on like your all suit. that. That yeah. all feels very familiar now. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. Okay, for James, is it difficult to direct and act at the same time? I think it is. I mean, everybody's different. I mean, there there are plenty of actors who direct themselves constantly and, and to great success. Uh, it's not. Uh, it's not for me. I really do feel like. For me, there's no way to give 100% in both. I just feel like something always gets a little bit lost. Um, probably the acting for me, which is why I, I tend to try to stay out of stay out of my own way. Well, it was not noticeable in this. Um, for Maggie and Tim, what was it like having James as your director? Blissful is a word I would use. I don't know if it gets better. I, I really do think I, in my life, I have done, I've done things I, you know, I even doubted I could do. Uh, greedy, for example, uh, or you know, that you have a way of of really believing in your people too. Like not just like, hey, here's a note. Let me try and like get this performance. It's like you have this in, like you you make it about like you find it. You find it on your own. You get there on your own. So that. Anyway, I can't say enough about it. Everyone should be, every actor should be so lucky to get to work with a director like, like James. Because we were so lucky to know each other, like, James, I feel like you and I always had a shorthand when we were on set together. 100%. Yeah. And that that was that was a key to, to this first experience going as smoothly as it did. Because um, we, we, we were essentially direct, we were all directing each other for three years anyway. Yeah. Um, Where did the name Tikihama come from? 100% Steve Franks. He always knew that's what he wanted the camp to be called. I don't know if you'll have, next time you have him on, you'll have to ask him. I don't know if it was something from his childhood or his child, his kids' childhood, but 
he wanted Tikihama, and then he also came up with the the Tikihama camp song. Oh, I was going to ask about that. It's so creepy yeah. and so good. It's, yes. I think he mentioned that in another podcast as well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, where did you shoot the camp scenes? A true camp uh, that's no longer exists up near Squamish. Beautiful. Um, did any of you go to camp and got any fun camp stories? I went to I one camp. It was, it was in high school and it was a, it was a theater camp at a mm -hmm. college. So it was not a traditional camp experience where you did campy type things. We just went and took classes and ended up putting on a, a very, very bad David Mamet play. Uh, <laughs> Which one? Yeah. Uh, we did the water engine. Obscure, but awesome. Obscure, but yeah. not one of his less produced know. works to be sure. I don't really have a camp story. Uh, Cause I, I didn't really go to that kind of a camp. Same. I had like dance camp and like, theater camp, but I have one very vivid memory of my older brother going to camp at Camp Tall Trees, somewhere outside of Kentucky, uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And all I remember was that I sobbed and I held on to him and I was like, he cannot go. Who am I going to play kickball with? <laughs> and I, that story has been told many times since I was distraught like he was never coming back from camp that is adorable <laughs> who's gonna roll the ball <laughs> so i can kick it anyway tim um i knew this question was gonna be asked and um no i never we didn't I, it wasn't a camp going kid for i would have loved it other than like i went to boy scout camp one summer but nothing like nothing sort of out bunking it up doing archery and making lanyards unfortunately because i, I would have loved that you were a great Boy Scout, though. I I just feel like you would be an amazing Boy Scout. I was actually, I was an okay Boy Scout. I mean, I've told the story of my one match fire here on the podcast before. <laughs> oh, you have, you have. Yes, he's a uh, yeah. So I was, I was, I could set up a great um, wood chopping um, circle. Yeah, I was good with an axe. Oh. Um, but um, in terms of following on with like the hierarchy of Boy Scouts, wasn't really my thing. I kind of bailed a little early. I think I made it just past Tenderfoot. Well, it's not surprising that you're good with an axe because your yeah. sword game is strong. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. <laughs> wow. Oh, Joms, you missed last week with Dulay, uh, which won't surprise you at all. We went on a whole run because it was the episode. Oh, my God. Um, it was so good. Oh, my God. Uh, the golf ball. Oh, my God. What was last week's episode, Tim? Not any given Sunday. The one after that. Um, true or lies. Thank you, Devin. And uh, there's the whole golf ball bit at the very beginning, and there's no actual ball. He let us know there was no actual ball at the beginning uh, as you guys are reacting to it. So and the he phrase whole... no balls was used quite a bit in that episode. How James Dulay you... worked with no balls. They acted with no balls. And then it was a whole runner of like, well, it's because you're so good at knowing how to act with balls that when they're not there, you can still act without them. Devin, we might have to cut this. Um, Which I, but anyway. know, I gotta say, I gotta say, Mags, in that conversation, you were the one who coined the phrase, no balls. It was I not Dulay. No, but Dulay is like, uh, pun intended, he'll throw a softball and he knows I'm gonna pick it up. Yes. Or, he knows it's I'm gonna hit it. So he's... He he has this way of making. You curated the bit, and you and you landed it. Yeah. Yeah, he can. He's <laughs> he has a very funny. I I know his. 
I know where he's going sometimes. <laughs> and so you smashed I, it I, out I like, of the park. I like to follow him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Truer Lies so, was that the one with Johnny? Yes. Yes. Uh, he and is so Martha, good. And Martha Coolidge directed that. And guess who yes. we have? Martha Coolidge directed that, right? Uh, we have Jimmy for um, uh, Yang. And for even, oh, that's good No, stuff. for next week. For, yeah. This, yeah, for the, yeah, yeah. yeah, the first oh, one. Oh, yeah, the first one, right. Yang, Yang won. Yang won. Yeah. Um, we'll have to get... I have to get Allie on for one of them, too. We were just talking about that. Like, we'll have Jimmy and then Allie next time around. And then maybe we'll, like, have uh, in some of these that are, like, you know, we're getting into it now. Yeah. Like, there's just, like, I mean, we always had great guest stars, but, like, director, guest star, we might have more than one guest sometimes. Or, like, it'd, it'd be, be really fun to have you and Allie. Yeah. So, because the Yangs have to be, like, I'm so glad we have Jimmy for this one, but we have to talk to you about where all this came from, too. Yeah. Like, we were talking about this today. It started playing, because on Peacock, when you're watching the episodes back, the next one will start playing, and Yang started playing. And I'm like, oh, I mean, this is when Psych was just... Uh-huh. We were rolling. We were rolling by now. Um, anyway, Joms, thank you. Always. Always a pleasure. It was such a, uh, this was such a wonderful experience that I will never forget. Anytime anyone for the rest of my life asks me um, how I got my start directing, it'll always be this story with these people. And uh, yeah. it'll it'll take me back to a very, very happy place in my life. So James, uh, will you text you me your address? Because I'm going to get on a plane and fly to Vancouver so I can crawl, crawl on the bed and spoon that dog right now. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I, I thought you were like gonna spoon him. I just that's was getting emotional. In, that's also in play. <laughs> that's in play. That he's a he's a very he's a top flight cuddler though. He is uh oh, God, you can tell so magical. Yeah. I think there's a so cloud magical. sandwich in my future. Yeah, he will purr and make you feel so special. This was so fun to talk to you about, and we're gonna bug you for more. So. It is always such a pleasure to hang with you two. Uh keep kicking ass and podcasting the shit out of things. Yeah. And uh have fun with Jimmy Simpson. We will, and, and uh, you too. How You directed the shit out of this. This was such a special episode to me for so many reasons, all the reasons we got into, but to have my sort of acting game lifted by you for the gifts you gave me as a writer and a director and Steve Franks for that goodbye speech and tomorrow's speech. So I just want to thank you again for being an amazing friend and such a dear part of my life. I am the winner. I am the winner here. Seriously, such an incredible episode. I love having James on the pod. Uh, it's really, really special for all of us. And hearing him talk about this first time directing was uh, was very meaningful. It was very an emotional time. And uh, the beginning of now we've gone on to see how much he's done. And it's kind of amazing that we were all together for the first one. Anyway, as always, thank you guys for listening to episode 15 of The Psychologists Are In. Don't forget to follow us on our Instagram at The Psychologists Are In and our Twitter at PsychologistPod. And now check out our Patreon for full videos of the episodes and more at patreon.com slash psychologists are in. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.